Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Uh, he just overwhelms us, and I hope to unpack that more today. And so we, we need to live knowing and experiencing his goodness in every day. We need to be the billboards that are displaying it. When they look at us, they say, we want what they have. We want what they have. Because in this miserable world with this miserable information, man, God's good, and we have hope and a future, and it's just great. And so as the, the, the founding, the, 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 the sort of rock, uh, bedrock scripture that we've been sitting on is Romans 2.4, and it talks about that knowing the goodness of God leads you to repentance. That metanoia makes us change our mind change our attitude, change our direction. And so it's so important. So, uh, so we're not acting or pretending because you can put this religious facade on. No, we want to be authentic and real because we know that we know that our God is good and that he's good to us every day. And so when we have that, we can be those that announce his goodness, speak of his goodness, display his goodness. And so we're the ones. And so I've been going through, and I'll finish the series this, uh, today on God's goodness shepherds us. I've spoken uh, two messages prior to, to today, and it's out of the Psalm 23. I tell you what, Psalm 23, when David penned that, he must have been so saturated in the Holy Ghost because there's so much wealth in every one of those words. And I want to read it to us because the word of God is life to those who hear it. Life, it quickens us. It's not this, just, it's just knowledge. It's not just not knowledge. It's, it's a quickening of our spirit man when we hear God's word. And so I want to read it because there's a, again, and all I've read, and all the funerals I've spoken at and all the sermons I've listened to on this one. Again this week, I found something that I hadn't seen before. And so I thought I'd share it with you. But anyway, I wanna just read it to you, Psalm 23. It's only six verses and it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Paul decla- um, um, uh, David declares that the Lord is his shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, those words, they just, they just resonate. They kind of just kickstart my, my, my spirit, man, every time I read it, every time I look at it. And so I wanted to say that in Hebrew, it's, there's, a, there's, there's 55 words in that, in that psalm. And the first 26 words, it's talking about God in the third person, that he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the wall. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. And then he says this, right in the middle, there's three words. Changes the whole thing. For you are with me. Woo, when he does that and when he lands that, listen to his verbiage. 
It goes to first person. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It just pivots it. I'm telling you about about the Lord and, and that when he suddenly announces you are with me. He pivots and he starts speaking to his creator. He starts speaking to his great shepherd. It's just amazing how it's written. It just pivots it into the first person. I can talk to all about God, but man, there is a place in my room that I talk to him and it changes the whole deal, changes the whole deal. I just thought I'd just throw that out to you, how it was made up. So the 26 words, then there's three words, then there's 26 words. Crazy how God just, just does that. Hallelujah. The shepherd boy just writes that. So the good shepherd is with us. He's not far. He's close. He's intimate. He's involved. He interacts with us. That's the, that's the reason why he created us. So he could have fellowship with us, that he could be with us. He, his eye is always on his, on, on his sheep. It's like a parent, church. It's like a parent. <laughs> Especially now that I've got a swimming pool. Lord, have mercy. It took a faith, brother, for a while. Where's, 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 uh, where's Harland? It takes a while. I pegged my pool out with my, with, with my hose for 10 years. And I spoke to that piece of ground. And I shaped it. Eventually, one day, I painted it until the lawnmower came and took it out again. But man, I was persistent with my faith. 10. And so the kid's saying, thanks, Dad. How weak is your faith? You wait until we leave home, then you get a swimming pool. So anyway, it eventually comes. But I tell you what, having a pool, man, you talk about parents having the eyes on the kids. Grandparents have to have an eye on the kids and you're looking because you've got to keep an eye on these things. They're fast and dodgy, these little guys. And so Valerie, who's known as Yaya because uh, her mom's Greek and Greek, Greek is the, Yaya is Greek, grandma. So she just melts every time the kids, Yaya, and that's it. She'll swim when that word is, she will, she'll go and play games as long as that word is used. I'll tell you what, it's just amazing. And so when she wants to look after Wyatt in, in TJ Maxx and, and, uh, and, and Ross and stuff, do not play hide and seek with a boy because he darts off and he's gone. And he doesn't shout. You can call him until you're blue in the face. You can announce it on the, on the intercom system. He ain't coming out. Do you know how many places he can hide in TJ Maxx? <laughs> so Valerie says, go and hide, but she runs after him because he hides right under the clothes, inside, stands on things. You cannot find him. So you got to understand that the father's eye is on us. His eye is on us all the time. He's watching us. And so he's not a, he's not a hireling. The shepherd is not a hireling. A hireling is somebody that, that's get paid. It's your responsibility. It's your, it's your entire, uh, you have to do it because a hireling, that's what it does. And so um, a couple of years back, I was invited to have lunch with a pastor, a leader in the area. And, um, and we we're chatting. And he said, I live in a gated community just because it limits access to the congregation. I said, What? What are you talking about? If you're a shepherd and you're a pastor, people is the business. That's why we can't live in a gated community. They would fire us from that place because the gate will be so mad with all the people coming in and out because I, uh, currently our front door is a revolving door because people just, that's what happens because we're in the people business. 
And Jesus is in the people business. He shepherds us and he will make sure that his eye is on us all the time. And so, and I just want to say, bringing Fred and Denise onto staff, though they're part of, of the staff here, they are the furthest thing from a hiring you could ever think. I tell you what, they are a blessing to us. They eat, think, sleep. The man, way after they've gone back home, they are thinking about us. They are they're working on constantly. And friend Denise, thank you. Thank you for loving the people. Thank you for coming and serving us with your gift and with your love. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. In John 10, 11, it says, Jesus, I am, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. The, a hyling will run when, when he sees the wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their sheep. I tell you what, yeah, they are, isn't their shepherd. I tell you what, you've got to understand that the heart of Jesus is shepherd. And so here he will not abandon us as orphans. And so the first message I spoke about, the shepherd's goodness um, uh, um, provides for us. And, the, and, the, and, then, and, and we understood that he takes us to pastures green besides still waters. He's the one that brings contentment and peace. So when you walk with him, his intention is to bring us to contentment and peace. It takes sometimes a little while for us to get there, but it's not his fault. It's our fault because we are fretting so much. We don't understand his goodness and his kindness. And then I spoke about his goodness protects us, that, uh, that he's handles, handled death. So that's the biggie for all of us, facing death. And so, and his rod and his staff comfort us. His rod is again for, for the, to beat the animals that would come and try and get to us. And the staff is to get us out. I mean, we've, we saw that for two weeks running now, that, that sheep that just jumps in the trench. <laughs> you need a staff to get him out there and guide us on the path. But he never uses the rod on us. No matter how much religion has said that to you, that's not happening. He doesn't use the rod on us. And so I spoke about that. Today I close off with a message with that the shepherd, the shepherd's goodness has a promise to us. Has a promise to us. And Numbers 23, 19, just to remind us that God is not a man, so he does not lie. So he's in, a, he's in a different category and at a different league. And so we can't, uh, can't, can't, can't equate to that because we live in this fallen world. And, but he, we need to just say that. In verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I want to tackle goodness. Goodness is our theme this year, and we've been drilling into it. Goodness is an attribute of God's. It's just who his nature is. It's his nature, his makeup, his being. And here it's interesting that Moses, those who don't know Moses, Moses wants to know, God, what's your glory? Show me your glory. He wanted to do that. This is the same Moses that was looking after his father-in-law's sheep in the backside of the desert and saw a burning bush that didn't burn. And when he got up to it, it spoke. It was God speaking out the bush and was speaking to Moses. He's the one that's, that, that saw 10 plagues absolutely uh, um, hammer Egypt. When you talk about hard of hearing, Egypt, good Lord, just one plague. And I'm saying, yes, sir, you can take all your, Egyptian, uh, uh, your Jewish people right out of here. No problem. 10, 10 plagues. He's the one. He watched the sea part and them go on dry land. 
And if you're on those things saying that the water is only ankle deep, well, the miracle is that the whole Egyptian might was drowned in ankle deep water. So if that's what you're thinking. So I'm just saying he was there. He was in the cloud of Mount Sinai and spoke to and heard God and spoke to God. He's the one that with the Ten Commandments, he's the one is now asking. Moses requesting in, in Exodus 33, 18. And Moses said, please show me your glory. Let me just say, just uh, help for interest's sake. It says here, um, a practical definition for glory. What makes one famous? What is it that makes one famous? Because that is the glory. That is the glory. And so Ian McLeod, where are you? Stand up. You're in trouble, bro. He normally sits over there or over there, but now he's right in my line of fire. What is this man's glory? What is this man's glory? You want to tell him, Lorette? He's a world champion. Paddle ski, wave ski, surfer. World champion. That's his glory. His wife taught him well. His dad invented the, uh, invented the sport. But I'm saying that that is the platform, that's the place God has taken him to reach people you and I can't get to. He gets to minister there. His glory takes him there. If you ask, you say Tiger Woods, he has a certain glory. Michael Jordan, he has a certain glory. Elon Musk, geek, South African. Billy Graham. And so here Moses is asking, what are you famous for, God? What is your, what's top of the pile? <laughs> and there is, there is a lot. And Moses asked this, please show me the best attribute. And, and, then, and God's got a major list. But this is what he says in Exodus 33, 19. And then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. That is his glory. That's the best of God is his goodness. Man, that is quite something. The best of the best is God's goodness. The attribute is what God is, not what he does. So God is not, because he does good, you say he's good. No, he is good. That's why he does good. No matter which way you cut God, he's going to bleed good. Because that's what he is. And that we need to understand that. He is good. And that's why he does good. Not vice versa. Psalm 119.68 says, You are good and do only good. That's what the psalmist writes. God is infinite. There is no end to God. Church, there is no end to God. Which kind of difficult for our peanut brains to handle that. There is no end to his goodness. There is no end to his giver. There is no, never a bad. He can't have a bad second. Not for a second can he be bad because he's infinitely good. I've got to drive that home because you, sometimes we get into our little finite little peanut brains and we reduce God to that. No, he's far bigger than that. He's infinite. He can't be. God is immutable, can't change. So he can't just suddenly now decide now he was going to be bad because you can't. Because he's immutable. He does not change. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. His goodness is everywhere at once. And then he's, and he's omnipotent and that he's all powerful. 
don't mess with his goodness. His, his goodness is just powerful. Paul expresses how God's goodness works. He says in Romans 8.28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. God will take your, the, your hurt, your heartache, and help others with it. He will take whatever the enemy has tried and turn it, and, and turn it for good. And, and, and it's just amazing. You can't be dabbling with this Christian thing. You can't be dabbling with God because you leave huge gaps for the enemy to come in. And then suddenly you start blaming God. God, I went to church. Yeah, church is not the only thing that you have to do, you know. You're going to have to read the scriptures. You've got to fall in love with him. You've got to pray. You can't just dabble with God because then you get yourself all messed up. Can't go half-baked at this thing because it'll flop. It will not happen. And so you've got to understand. You've got to, and so because the enemy is attacking God's goodness day in, day out, Year in, year out. You've got to understand that. Every opportunity he's going to do it, he's going to try and get you to believe. Get you to believe that death and disease and discouragement and disaster, it's all God. Even the insurance company puts the act of God. We do not cover the act of God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Devil's aim is to cause doubt and unbelief and blame God. And the very first thing that Adam and Eve was challenged by the, by, by, the, by the serpent was, did God really say? He's holding back on you. He's holding back and he's holding out on you. He's not good. You just think he's good. I tell you what, you've got you, you to nail that. And every time, sometimes when I'm driving along, like, these thoughts come in and, and the enemy just wants to throw a lie. And I say, no, loud, because I'm in the car by myself. <laughs> And if Valerie's there, she gets a fright of a life. <laughs> but I will not tolerate those thoughts. Take every thought captive and say no in Jesus' name. Don't get so excited up here, Rod. Behave yourself. Calm down. Calm down. Hmm. Hallelujah. James 1.17 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens, and never changes or casts a, sh a, sh a shifting shadow. Verse 18, and we out of all creation became his prized possession. Man, out of everything, man, he just, whoa, he just, he comes after us. And God is... When he was creating everything every day, he looked at it and he says it was good. Because God just does good. And then day six, he comes and he's, he makes man. And he looks at Jesus and he looks at the Holy Spirit and he says, I think we can do better than this. So he created woman. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. And I thank God every day he made woman. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> and Genesis 1:31 it says, yeah, and God saw everything that he had made. Indeed, it was very good. Thank you, ladies. 
He turned the tide and off from good to very good. And so that's what we have. On the sixth day, he said it was very good. And boy, after creating that masterpiece of woman, he had to rest. He had to rest. <laughs> Hello. And us men said, amen. We understand. We understand. <laughs> Woo. All right. Moving right along. His goodness shall follow us, but his mercy shall follow me. Ephesians 2, 4 says, God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much. <laughs> this is rich in mercy. Interesting, justice and mercy kind of quoted in Scripture together. And it kind of gets us a little challenged here because in, in Psalm 101 and 1, it says, I will sing of mercy and justice. He understands that they've got it in God, they're tied together. And you're thinking, how? Can I, who is a sinner that deserves justice, needs, deserves judgment, can receive mercy? How does God do that and be a just God when he lets me off the hook? How does he do that? It's important that you understand that because it gets you to embrace his mercy more and more. Gets you to embrace. You're going to need to understand that. He's given us salvation. He's given us forgiveness. He's given us mercy. And he's not given us judgment which is justice. How can God be just and merciful together? The word is impute. That word I need to unpack with you quickly today. It's an accounting term. It's a transaction that has happens. Like when I go to an ATM, I make a transaction. Either I'm making a withdrawal or I'm making a transfer for a deposit or I'm making a transfer. I'm doing something and there is an action. There's a transaction. There is a, 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 um, a, an accounting thing that happens. And here we see in Psalm 32 too, he says, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Man, it's, it, that was the biggest thing for me when I gave my life to Christ. When I heard the message, there wasn't a sin issue anymore because it was paid for. I said, who paid my debt? It was Jesus that paid my debt. But New uh, King James says, blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute in iniquity. He doesn't put what he has to in justice on, onto him. And the best illustration that I heard was about a, ju a judge that passed sentence. And, and this is what, what sentence is. You get sentenced because of our sin, we've separated ourselves from God. And it says that the wages of sin is death. So he wax his desk with that hammer and he pronounced death because of the sin. And immediately he takes off his robe, his, his position and his title and steps down here and he says, and I will pay the debt for you. I will pay the crime for you. That's the God of mercy. He is past judgment, but then he steps in and he says, but I'm paying for it as well. That is the loving God that we serve. That's the loving God we serve. So the wages of sin is death. That's justice. But he says the gift of eternal life, uh, of God is eternal life. That's mercy. That's his mercy. And so here in Romans 4, 3, it says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. He, he came up to the ATM and he believed God. And it was accounted, imputed to him as righteousness. God says, because you believe there's a transaction that happens. In, in 22, verse 22 um, of Romans, it says, yeah, because of Abraham's faith, God counted that uh, same term, uh, that same accounting term, 
counted him as righteous. And when he counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit to assure us that God will also account, impute us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. God's transaction of righteousness into our account. It's just mind-boggling of his mercy to do that for us. And 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says, And for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting that imputing people's sin against them. It's not a sin issue anymore, church. Listeners, it's not a sin issue. It's a relational issue now. Because Jesus paid it all. Past, present, and future, all the sin. It's now a relationship deal. It's so important that we understand that. In verse 21 and, and, and 2 Corinthians 5, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That transaction could happen. And this is how we can have justice and mercy walk side by side. And it's quite fine because of Jesus. It's wonderful. God takes our sin and transfers it into Jesus' account. And Jesus takes his righteousness and transfers it into our account. How merciful is that? And I didn't do one thing to deserve it except believe. Except believe. And that's so important that we understand that. But our problem comes, church, that we, one goes to hell not for sin, but for unbelief. So it's not your sin that's sending you to hell. It's your unbelief that separates you. The key is believing and receiving. The key, do you want to go to hell is a quick question. I'd like to avoid it at all costs, really. I would like to. So do you want heaven or hell? It's like driving up the 100 and getting to the, the freeway then saying, okay, do I want to go to Miami or New York? I'd say Miami better at this stage. And you have to choose. Do you want heaven or hell? And everybody says, how can a loving God send somebody to hell? He doesn't. You do. You, by your choice, decide. Because he's placed salvation right here for us to receive. Lamentations 3.22, it says, your faithful love, for the, your, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. So this mercy is towards us all the time, church. Man, if it's not good news that we can display and announce and, and tell people, then I don't know. That is, this is just fantastic news. And I lost just, uh, the day I came to Christ, I, I needed his mercy. I needed him to say, don't worry, Rod, I've, I've got this. I've got the tab for sin, all that you've done. I've got it. I need it today just as much as I need it 44 years ago. Because every day I call on his mercy. Every day his mercies are new for us. Every day. And so I need to lean on it. How about the mercy at the crucifixion? There were three crosses constructed, made, and were designated for three criminals. One was a, one was a murderer, two were a thief. They didn't have to make an extra cross for Jesus because they had three made. But what happened? Barabbas, who had murdered, was also going to be on that cross. 
And when the jailer came to open them up and set them free, Jesus substituted Barabbas' place, came in and, said, and took Barabbas' place. So Barabbas could have mercy. So Barabbas could have a second chance. So that you and I could have a second chance. And the two on the cross, thieves on the cross, had the same opportunity. One took it, the other one didn't. And I'll tell you what, church, it's incredible to see the mercy. How somebody who was innocent take a, a, a murderous thief's place and hangs on, uh, hangs on the cross for us. He did it for us as well. A close off with eternal life is a promise. It is so good to know that because death is not something God designed for us. And death is something physical death we have to go through. But he has promised us eternal life. It's good news to understand that when we gave our lives to Christ, eternity started in our lives that very moment. You're not waiting to go to eternity. Eternity started right then. Because if I drop this earth suit right now, my spirit man and my soul is, is in eternity in a blink of an eye. That's what the scriptures tell me. In a blink of an eye. So if I dr drop this earth suit, which I'm looking forward to the upgrade on this, on this earth suit, that's what happens. It says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 14, 14, 3 says, I am going to prepare a place for you. This is Jesus speaking. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Isn't that words of love? Man, I want you to be with me. I always want you to be with me and I always want you to be with me. Man, it's just, it's just wonderful to hear that and understand that I'm going to prepare a place for you so I can come back and get you and you can hang out with me. Can't wait to go to Galaxy 432 and just shoot there at the speed of light to go and just check out what's happening there. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to the eternity. It's going to be a long, long time of fun. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that. And so here at church, we are in the eternity now. So we're building family for the king now. We're building the kingdom now. Don't sit in the departure lounge waiting to, to, to rapture or waiting to leave. He says, occupy until I come. I want you to occupy this. I want my kingdom to come, my will to be done. And so we've got a job. So just hang around here waiting at the departure lounge to, to leave. Beam me up, Scotty. No, we've got a job to do. That's why we're here. That's why we fellowship. That's why we worship. That's why we invite others. Because others need to know of this goodness, this mercy, this incredible grace that we have. So we've got things to do. We've got a family to build. We've got a kingdom to advance. That's what we've got to do. Just thought I'd throw that out to you. Hallelujah. And you better get used to each other. And you know why we hang around? Because I have this great, sometimes I have these great pastoral ideas. I said, we get you saved. We get you filled in the Holy Spirit there, and then we send you to be as Jesus the next room, however that looks. It saves me pastoring you, saves me everything. You know, that, that's just... But the problem is, we've got to know how to love people when we get to heaven. So we've got to practice here. We've got to train here. We've got to have our little bumps and quirks worked out right here. You've got to love your enemy, love your neighbor, Love each other and love yourself. So there's a whole training program that's happening right here. So that's why we hang around and we're not allowed to send you off to heaven before your time, okay, as a pastor, all right? That's just not part of my, my curriculum. And 1 John, it says here, 1 John 2, 
24 and says here, so you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy eternal life he promised us. That's just backing up what I said. When we hang around and fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we're in this place of eternity, and it's just going to drop our earth suits and beam me up, Scotty. So Jesus promised eternity. And so when we quote and we have our Tebow write the scripture under his eyes, John 3, 16, he promises in that scripture eternity again. Let me just remind you of John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I tell you, church, we are understand. I mean, we can't win. We can't lose for winning. I mean, every time you, you, you kill this body, it's all right. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm ready to go. But I suppose that I'm going to have to hang around a lot longer because we've got a lot of work to do. You know, a lot of people coming into this, 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 this county that needs to be touched and saved, hey? Doesn't that sound like dwell in your house forever? I uh, can't wait to hang around God's home. It's going to be quite, quite, some, quite amazing. So church, we've got to choose either a God-filled eternity or a godless eternity. And it's our choice. It's our choice. Amen. Amen. The shepherd's goodness provides, protects, and promises. Let's pray. Hallelujah. If I could have musicians, piano, a little guitar. I just want to allow Holy Spirit a moment to kind of check us out and prompt us and, and help us. Some of us, this word metanoia, you need to, you need to apply it to your, to your belief system. You need to change. Because some of you just didn't know that God was so good. That His goodness is chasing after you. His goodness is pressing hard after you. Because He absolutely loves you. You've got to settle that issue once and for all. No matter how yuck yuck you've been. He loves you. Absolutely adores you. And there is nothing that can separate you. There is nothing that will hold his love back from you. Nothing. Some of us have to recalibrate and understand his mercy. That he absolutely is merciful. 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 And he's coming back for us, church. He's coming back for us. And while it's not ready, we're going to be about his business. Loving people, inviting people. Because he's in the people business. We are going to be a reflection of the good shepherd. And maybe Holy Spirit needs to tweak that a bit in you. Because man by himself is selfish. Selfishness is quite a grand trait in, in the fallen man because he worships the unholy trinity me, myself and I and God said it's not about you 
It's not about you. It's about loving God and loving others. And in that process, you are fulfilled in life. In that process, you see your identity. In that process, joy and peace walks in you. So Father, thank you. We bow before you, an awesome, merciful God, and say thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love. And if you're in a place where you feel you're outside and you haven't made, it, made your peace with God, invite him into your life. It's just simply Jesus Come into my life. I make you Lord and Savior today. As sincere as you can make those words, because it's a relational deal, not a sin deal. He paid for your sin at Calvary. It's paid. So Father, thank you. Thank you for those that are responding to your invitation, your drawing, your love. Thank you for touching their lives. If you've prayed that prayer in your heart and you're inviting Jesus into your life, talk to me. Text us, email us, message us. We want to cheer you on. We want to, we want to tell you all about this great Savior, this great Lord. And for us that need to do other business with God, well, we need to do it. you guys could all stand with me please I just would like you to just stand as I want to press pray for for you so the father's not finished with us because Holy Spirit wants to move the Holy Spirit wants to come and touch and I want to invite those that as I speak of it, just come forward because I want to ask the prayer team, the leadership team, just to pray for you. But there is a, a, a call for those that have arthritis. If you have joints, the joints that are just challenged with arthritis, come forward because the Lord wants to set you free. The Lord wants to set you free. feel that God's saying that those people that struggle from migraines, migraines, just come up because he wants to touch, he wants to set free. Pray team, if you can just join yourself to whoever comes up.
power of God is present to heal. We sang of his presence. We sang of his goodness. We spoke of his goodness. We spoke of his kindness. We spoke of his mercy. I know that his Zoe life is here to touch you, to quicken your body. And there's some of you that actually feel that if you come up to the front, whatever you may have, whatever your situation may be, that, that God will meet you here. Like the woman with the issue of blood, press through the crowd because they wanted, to, they wanted a touch from Jesus. Well, press through the crowd, come up to the front, and we'll have somebody pray with you. The Bible says we're too agree touching anything it's done by our Father in heaven. So just press through the crowd. I know you may have to ask people, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, but if they know that you're coming up to get your healing, they're going to be happy to give you a place to come past. So don't hold back. Come on up, come on up, come on up. Whatever it may be, it may be a relational issue with somebody else that God says, come up here and I'll touch you and I'll open and I'll part that sea and make you walk into a full restoration of relationship. That's what God's saying. Come on up. It's your act of stepping out that God's going to meet you. Hallelujah. 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 Adam, if you come up and pray, would you join us? Sarah, you join us in prayer. Come on up. Mike Machete, would you come and pray for Tom? You pray for Tom. Wendy, pray for, pray for the lady. Alex, stand with her. Church, would you stretch your hands towards them? They are stepping out by faith, believing God to meet them. And so, Father, we thank you that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of deliverance. Not tomorrow, today. Today, my God. Now, thank you. We're too agree touching anything. It's going to be done by our Father in heaven. Your loving goodness is touching lives right now, setting free. Father, arthritis is a name that has to bow to the name of Jesus. Migraines is a name that has to bow to the name of Jesus. I thank you whom you set free is free indeed, my God. I thank you that faith arise, my God that they reach out to the one who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think. And this we believe you for, my God. Because you paid for it at Calvary. By his stripes, we are healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Coastal, I want to pray for you. Because this week is going to be like no other week. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. And you can't rush out the doors after I've prayed. Because there's somebody that you need to love and you need to touch and you need to speak to, you need to encourage. Because I can't get to everybody. They need to have the Jesus in you and touch them. So Father, thank you. Thank you that we can do church, that we can have church, that we can gather as a family of believers in one place to have one heart and that's to acknowledge you, to worship you and to bless you. So Father, I dismiss the body to be the body one to another. I thank you that, the, that you would allow the gifting of Holy Ghost to flow through each person before they walk out this door to touch a life. And we thank you for a great week, a fantastic week, a more than enough week for you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. <clears throat>